Hello everyone, welcome to the 38th episode of In The Between. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. And today we're going to talk about moving out of the pandemic. Or are we? We're not sure. <laughs> but, um, we're yeah. very excited in Singapore because in you know, just less than a day, we are allowed yeah. out and about. We can shop, we can eat outside. <laughs> Um, we can see bit, friends. We can see friends. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's like a reverse <laughs> Cinderella situation. Like when the clock strikes midnight tonight, it's time to party. Except no bars <laughs> can open yet. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, there's still restrictions on wearing the face masks and um, we still have to adhere to social distancing but I'm really looking forward to going swimming because the pools have been closed for months yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing the kids to the park um, to parks further away from us and to the playgrounds um, but also a little apprehensive because I'm not sure whether that's being responsible because um, I'm, I'm imagining that there will be a swarm of people just like going out this weekend yeah. Um, but many you know, people have um, questions and mm. I, we, I've seen this sign going around about how remember that we're opening up because of economic reasons and not right. because it's safe to do so that's right um, and I think that brings me to the next point which is that I'm disappointed that libraries and museums my stomping grounds are not going to be open <laughs> Um, and that also leads to another question about, you know, the place of arts and culture in Singapore. Uh, so there's been a furious debate going on in the past week about mm-hmm. um, whether art is essential. I mean, obviously art is essential, right? But the thing is, you know, there's been this survey um, that was published in the Sunday Times, which is part of the national um, newspaper. And they asked, I mean, I'm not really sure how the survey was set up, okay, but I can imagine that they were asking what were essential services at this time during this pandemic. Um, But then they also asked them what is non-essential, you know, which I thought wasn't really helpful or useful for anybody. Um, I think the idea of the article or the survey was to say that essential workers should be compensated um, more fairly, that's yeah. what I got from it, you know. But then everyone was up in arms about the fact that 71% of the 1,000 respondents uh, thought artists were non-essential, you know. And there were other yeah. non-essential jobs like telemarketing, social media managing and all that. And so yeah. artists became really upset and were like, oh, you know, we're non-essential or proudly non-essential. And then there was this hashtag like essential going on. and Yeah. Um, yeah. And like the idea of whether um, somebody's like value is in it and how it contributes to to different aspects of society or can and everyone inherently have value in what they do and contribute to society yeah but as we discussed also it, it really kind of detracted and instead of like getting us to rally for people to really think about essential workers like cleaners and delivery men and thinking about how we can compensate them better and respect them more in, in society, especially in Singapore, um, it became a divisive thing where people who did so-called quote-unquote unessential jobs were feeling kind of uh, dejected by it. Yeah, agree. And um, there was an op-ed 
in the Straits Times today from Tommy Cole. Um, so, I mean, he has held many, you know, important positions in Singapore for sure, but, you know, he's um, director of Tembusu College, National University of Singapore. He was the founding chairman of the National Arts Council from 91 to 96. And I really like his article because he focuses on, um, first of all, he acknowledges that, right, the article wasn't, it wasn't a point, you know, to put down artists. That wasn't the intention, although that was the effect. Um, mm -hmm. And then he just listed out, you know, all the contributions that artists, or rather he actually re renamed it as art workers, you know, which is much more comprehensive. <laughs> and how they have contributed to um, the enrichment of our lives here in Singapore. And I really like that. You know, it felt quite transportive to read the article, to think about how, yeah, you know, we've, we've really benefited from these. And, um, and even, you know, the, the words non-essential, then it just, it just kind of faded into the background for me because it was more like, you know what, we should be confident in the fact that we are. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean... Many things have been put into perspective and escalated um, through the pandemic, like social issues as what has been happening with Black Lives Matter, um, health, um, the link between health and social position. And fashion has been thinking about a lot of these things too. So last week for um, the new, no there was a an online conference called The New Normal that was organized by Lyudmila by in Russian fashion theory from Russian fashion theory um, and I took part in this conference which was a marathon like it was 12 hours and Lyudmila was just like sitting and hosting this whole meeting and kind of like giving her 100% to every single speaker and there were like over 40 speakers from all around the world so everyone was coming in at different time zones and it went for like 12 hours and there were a few key um, ideas that all these different um, uh, researchers and fashion academics were thinking about. And we've seen a lot of these uh, themes being brought up in the last few months as well. So one of them was the idea of obviously masks and protective gear. And one of my favorite presentations was by Alison M. David, the, the writer who did Fashion Victims. And she was talking about um, her title was Facing Danger, Medical, Criminal and Fashionable Masking Practices in Historical Perspective. So she talked about like the, the mask as being also something that um, obviously hides your identity and, and because of that it has been associated with crime for a long time. Um, and, and different um, speakers also spoke about PPE and protective gear. The other big thing that people were talking about was everyday wear and and like this idea that fashion needs occasions and locations and places to go to was very strong and especially when people are in lockdown, they can't go anywhere, they work from home, there is no demarcation between different activities and so there was uh, Haker Jens from Parsons School of Design um, did a really nice presentation about the eternity of the tracksuit and mm -hmm. domestic uniformity. So she really just went on about um, her grey sweatpants. And there was this uh, very real feeling that um, people couldn't wait to, you know, cast off this um, clothing. Yeah. Um, other, other 
themes were like the idea of like retailer and brand responses. So one of my favorite papers was by uh, Zemfira Salamova, who was looking at um, how clothing retailers were changing the way that they kind of um, did their photo photography for online shops and they became much more um, much about the interior space comfort and like more domestic settings mm -hmm. and of course there was the idea of like technology and the future of fashion so there were different uh, scholars from Parsons and uh, Alto University in Finland who talked about digital fashion as well as like the digital fashion show and finally, the one where I was part of was the idea of like craft collectivism and like more introspective activities that were being done during the pandemic, the isolation of the pandemic and um, just different reflections by different researchers. And I presented the idea of um, making replicas and how it could relate to curatorial ideas and ideation as well as what museums were doing by um, allowing their paper patterns to be open sourced and in that way engaging their visitors on the online experience. Mm. So yeah, it was very intense. I, yeah. I never saw the host going on a bathroom <laughs> break or to eat. Um, were you there the whole time as well? I, I was there until like 1am Singapore time oh. and it went until like 3am so I pretty much caught up most of it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it was pretty crazy and like there was like very vivid uh, conversation on the chat at the site as well. Yes. Yeah, I realized that because when I was attending your presentation, um, which was so beautifully done, and, you. you know, I think it just kind of like got everybody nodding and being like, yes, this is very exciting. This is um, an opportunity that has opened up because of the pandemic and its restrictions. And, you know, it's something that everyone can partake in if they want to. Um, and I could see that everyone was already asking questions uh, on the chat at the site. Uh, yeah, so it was really nice. And, you know, it was a nice way to connect as well. But that did seem to be, I mean, like, if we talk about the conference as a whole, there did seem to be like a frantic energy to it. I think just because it's so long <laughs> and there was no break. It was so long and there was no break and there was just one moderator. I'm really amazed at how she did it. And, um, yeah. but the good thing is that they recorded everything so people could get access to them if okay. they missed out different things. But yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack. And yes. Definitely a lot of things to to develop. So it, it's going to be further edited to and and explored more. So all these were like just ten minute presentations, flash presentations, and just like kind of like works in process. And some people didn't even have slides; they just spoke really? about like yeah about their experience. And then it was like the yes, were more like conversations with the audience as well. And and I was really surprised that a lot of things were, like when I submitted my entry, I didn't think anyone else would do something about making. But mm. of course, making is such an isol, is such a perfect activity for isolation. So yeah, because it takes your mind off what's happening outside, right? Because you get into a zone and you're just focusing on what you're doing with your hands. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering also about the idea of a digital conference because I'm thinking, I mean, mm. definitely for the rest of the year, that's going to be a way to go. Either you cancel uh, or you postpone to like late next year or something. Yeah. Or you, you go digital. And um, I'm just thinking about things I enjoy of a conference uh, in person, like, 
you know, talking to people um, during the breaks, um, mm-hmm, being yeah. able to like visit new places, right? Outside of the yeah. conference. Like, you know, the last one we went to was in Melbourne and I, I so cherish that memory now because yeah. I think it was the last time either one of us traveled and we didn't even think it would be the last time for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so that was really nice and then you know we'd be like oh wow no the lunch is so great the tea is so great because food becomes such a big part of the experience as well yeah um and i think that's not replicable in a digital conference because i don't think you're gonna have like i don't know a zoom drinking session or like let's have a zoom lunch together because the idea is then just to like keep it as short and sweet as possible so that you can you know wrap it up um i feel like that's what digital does to you right like Yes, the idea of speed is really there. You know, even though obviously now we have supposedly more time than ever on our hands because we're just at home, but then somehow when we engage with people online, we just want to be like, okay, let's keep it snappy, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, and and they say it's also something about when you are um, with people in real life. There's a lot of different spatial aspects that take your mind away, mm. um, and so that you can. You, the time doesn't seem as long as when you're just concentrated on your screen. Yes. And there's something to be said about like the idea of traveling. I mean, even it's just to take a bus somewhere, you know, yeah. that dress, going out, waiting for the bus, like all these things are really nice to get that mental break as well. Yeah. Yeah. But you enjoyed the conference all in all and I did. It was something and, uh, to do. Yeah, it was something to do. Exactly. I, and even though it was online, I was still nervous to present. Uh, yeah, but uh, of course, it's much easier than standing in front of a room of people. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You, you, you'll be sitting down and presenting and it's just you and your <laughs> screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah so true. Um, yeah, so we've also been reading other things online and I guess you know, now people are kind of like moving out. I mean, yeah, for for the to restart the economy and whatnot and just people are sick of um being indoors and suffering from cabin fever uh so i thought to we could discuss a couple of articles we've been reading so one mm-hmm. of it that i really enjoy and this one um our colleague rohai sent to me is from the new york times it's by vanessa friedman and it says this is not the end of fashion the stand first reads, history and human nature prove we will dress up again. What that looks like is the real question. So I, <laughs> I've always enjoyed her writing. And, you know, um, there are some really amazing um, ideas in this story. Uh, so one of the things that she says that I thought, oh, you know, gave me sort of like a paradigm shift is, you know, there's been a lot of focus on the system a lot of anguish yeah. about a need for change and angst over shopping. Will anyone ever want to do it again? And the writer is saying it's the wrong question. What we should be asking is when we re-engage with a world pockmarked by pain. Okay, I love that. That expression is perfect, pockmarked by pain. And see one another from more than just the shoulders up. What will we want to wear? And that's such a valid question. Um, because yeah, we've been seeing people's shoulders from the shoulders up. Like you can wear something very presentable on top, but you can be like, I mean, as someone has told me like, oh yeah, I was just, I was like, oh, nice shirt you wore in the Zoom meeting earlier. And like, oh yeah, <laughs> I was wearing boxes underneath or something like that. Um, you know, or like you can be in really nice dress and then you can wear it like flip-flops or something and nobody's gonna take, or you wouldn't even be wearing anything because you're at home. So <laughs> I'm just wondering um, what we will be wearing when we 
emerge from the pandemic, you know, when we start mm-hmm. re-engaging with the real world and real life. Because then the article goes on to talk about how in previous um, global crises, there is always a huge change in what people wear. And the idea is to like, you know, overcompensate for what we couldn't wear before and to just like go crazy. So like, for example, after World War One, we had like the 1920s and it was the roaring 20s, right? With like all the embellishments and the um, excitement of going out and hanging out and, you know, having fun. And then if we think about like after World War II, um, there was literally the new look. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. What do you think? I, I really like, I really like how whenever especially in this article when we're trying to think about the future we tend to also look at the past and how we've kind of reacted to it um and they always bring up of course world war ii and like here the oil crisis and even um amy de la hay wrote a few pieces for show studio where she was looking at crisis in in history and how uh fashion it's called fashion in a time of crisis a series of uh, essays and she was looking, for example, at homophobia, AIDS and fashion, racism and the zoot suit. And so by looking at how humans tend to react, we can see some patterns that are emerging. And um, what Friedman was saying was that there's like this idea of like exuberance or lavishness that might come. And not necessarily that we would buy conspicuously, but that we would want beauty and we would desire beauty. And I think... I think that's true. I think I will desire to like put on more effort. I would desire to like enjoy life, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we have we've looked at the garment workers. We've been on this big talk about sustainability and the unsustainability of fashion. And the pandemic just kind of like speeded up these conversations. And, and hopefully it's a more general sentiment that people really do want to slow down and like purchase more sustainably. But apparently um, Primark had a huge queue in the UK. Like I saw the picture, it. yeah. Um, I so I don't I know. Like, <laughs> I feel like Primark is good for essential items as well, you know, like the basics. And maybe people just like, I really need my basics. Um, you know, and the thing but is... But why really- are they queuing up? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm also thinking like we need to be aware, um, you know, just like we were talking about essential workers earlier, that um, lots of people have, you know, lost their jobs or had their income incomes cut, and like maybe they have no choice, you know, but to go to Primark, you know, to um, to buy the things that they need because they do need to be clothed, and you know, they don't have that much uh, means. Because I think sometimes when we're talking about fashion and how like oh, fast fashion is bad, and like why are we buying it, we we forget that like sometimes that's what people can afford. You know, yeah, and if they want to like have fun with it, that's what they, they go for. I guess so. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they have, I understand that many of the fast fashion um, buyers are like teenage girls or people who don't have a lot of disposable income. Um, and it's just so different from before, you know, like before women would make their own clothes, um, they would, they really would have very little outfits that they had for work, home and play. And then now we just require so many different things that Yeah, and it's so easy to we, buy, you know. Yeah. It's like who would make their own clothes now? Um and who would want to like <laughs> mend it? it? Like it takes 
little effort to just click and like buy something um, than to like make something from scratch. So yeah, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I feel like there is a move towards some new equilibrium. Um, so I also read, of course, like Zara, for example, is closing like a lot of, like up to 1,200 stores. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's what I read. And I'm not sure if that's um, a step in the right direction. And the thing is, if I recall, um, when we went to the conference in Melbourne, you know, we, there was this panel that talked about how um, people are always surprised that actually it's the, the big labels like H&M, for instance, you know, that have really good sustainable fashion practices. Um, people yeah. are always surprised to hear that. That's what the panelists said. And, you know, I was also quite surprised to hear that. I didn't know that. So I don't know. I don't know what's gonna what's gonna be like moving forward. Um, I am certainly someone who has been shopping also online <laughs> during this circuit breaker, <laughs> um, because then like that's where you can, you know. And you know, some things do need to be replaced. I feel like there are some items in my wardrobe that I really want to keep forever and wear like over and over again. But at some point, I realize yeah. that it's disintegrating or it starts to like smell a bit. <laughs> you can see that or like that there are holes here and there or like the material becomes too thin uh, I remember there's a dress I really like um, when I wore it to school and I one day my students were like um Nadia I think that is a bit see-through <laughs> and I was like I just oh, like for two hours so much you yeah it's just like kind of I know yeah so there is also the idea that like even as we're sustainable we I also want to realize that like you know nothing lasts forever in terms of clothes um but I will, you know, coming back to the article from uh, Friedman, she has a section called Redefining Value. Yes. Um, about how, you know, there will be things that will be um, made more sustainably and then, you know, you just like have that one piece and you, you really enjoy it and you take care of it. And I'm not sure. I feel like in the short term, maybe that will happen just because people are in the, that very introspective mode. But I've, I'm also aware that there's a possibility once things really go back to normal that people are just like, I just want to live life. You know, I'm not going to think so much. I'm on earth for like this amount of time and I just want to like enjoy myself. I don't yeah. know. It could be that. I, I, I think that idea of like not wanting to think so much is like, it re- make, makes me very wary because that's what leads to like us just relying on our biases and we've already seen how that doesn't work in terms of like, how racism works that we all have like implicit biases that like the easiest thing to do is not necessarily always the best one Mm. and we do have to think about everything but yeah I guess it could be quite we have like it could be quite um paralyzing to think about every single thing like Chidi from The Good Place who never does anything (laughs) in his life because of the moral implications of everything yeah who knows (laughs) <laughs> I mean, speaking well, of TV, I, I got into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm not sure how healthy that is, but like, you know, they just put it on Netflix. So I was like, oh, let me just try this. Um, this is like from I think the first season, like ten years ago or something, and I like really got into it. It's scaring me a bit. <laughs> and like, well, I'm just on a diet of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like right after the season finale, um, yeah. All Stars five started yeah. and. I don't know, I just find it so entertaining and magical that, like, you see their transformations and, like, mm. the way that they conceptualize their looks. And, and they always have all these, like, really zingy one-liners that, like... Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Is there a, a pattern here we can establish? Like we are so starved of like over the top beautiful things that like I'm watching. <laughs> We're awesome from Beverly Hills and you are I watching RuPaul. So, so what is going to be so. <laughs> your first outfit, you know, to go out and engage with the world? I, you were telling me that you, you're going to be out this Saturday. Yes. Well, I'm just there? going to a friend's house, but uh, I think I'm going to wear heels because I haven't worn them in a while. Yeah. Um, I've got this like beautiful blue heels that my friend designed. He's working for Charles and Keith now. Oh, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, mm. uh, they're like pla- um, they're like that PVC clear material, plastic shoes again. I love and this, plastic shoes. Like beautiful sky blue. Yeah. And um, I'm probably gonna wear a matching blue and white dress from Isenyaki. Ooh. Oh, I know which one as well. Oh my gosh, I know your wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love and that over one. the over the the lockdown, I also have done. I think I told you I did this like project thirty three. So I only have thirty three items of like clothes, mm. um, shoes, jewelry, bags, even that. And these are like the things that I've kept in my thirty three items. And I think I'm gonna finally be able to test them out because yeah. obviously I've been wearing like three three items of clothes. <laughs> I see that. I see that we're revisiting our themes from previous episodes like plastic yeah. shoes and capsule wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would wear from here. I feel like I really want to wear like a dressy dress. Um, like sequins. Out. Maybe not sequins. I have this well, I have this Reformation dress. I know that I'm not supposed to like support Reformation anymore because they have like questionable practices when it comes oh to gosh. like employee yeah. rights and like uh, the way they treat yeah. them, uh, the way they yeah, treat that's... black employees. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. Oh, I spent a lot on this just... dress and I want to wear it. <laughs> I know, it's so terrible when we find out that all these people are so, uh, like, have such questionable backstory that we only get to know about now. And like I, I didn't know that like a lot of stores that were being called out by Diet Prada that they have like nicknames for black customers and then they would purposely follow them in the stores and that's just yeah. so disrespectful and disgusting. Yeah, it really is. I mean that brings us to, you know, this like podcast that's in Singapore, right? Um the Okay Let's Go and how they are like um how yeah, they are vilified. Misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, misogynistic. And I mean even motivated the president of Singapore. I know, our president. Queen! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I guess we won't really go into that because, I mean, yeah, it's just a... Don't listen to the podcast, listen to ours, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I guess that's all we have for this episode. Um, Yes, and we hope you enjoyed it and that you will enjoy your first day of the yeah. end of circuit breaker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping, betting that like the libraries and museums will be open by July. I really do hope so. Um, yeah. yeah. Because things are suddenly oh. get super random, like what's open yeah. and what's not. I'm going to go to every museum, like every day. <laughs> I know. I know. Give me some art. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you um, listen to here on our podcast, please subscribe to us at um, In The Vitrine on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And do leave us a review too if you are a loyal listener. I hope there are some of you out there. And um, you can also follow us on Instagram at In The Vitrine for images that relate to what we speak about.
Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.